Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning to all those at home, or maybe you're in your car or even on the track listening to this later on the podcast. What is up? God is present right here in this space and wherever you are tuning in. This month, we are making a statement that we're united, united in the name of Jesus Christ, the only name that you can unite us. Because real talk, there's a lot that can divide us. Like I was feeling this yesterday, Ohio State-Michigan game. I haven't heard from some people in 20 years. Jesus unites us. A little acronym we, for the word unite that we coined earlier in the month. You and I together eat. At, together at the cross eat. You and I together at the cross eat. And that's where all of humanity is soberly <laughs> equalized. The cross We're all face-to-face with our sin, crucifying Jesus. And then we go to the grave, and we see that he's resurrected. And we realize that he gives us an opportunity to share in his victory by grace, through faith. And that is secure. That is so powerful. Today, as we continue Philemon... um, The message, if you were taking notes or want to know, like, okay, what would be the, the point trying to get across today would be charge it to my name. I think we're going to see Paul, he has a way to say, my reputation, my authority, I'm going to put out there for Onesimus, charge it to my name. And that phrase comes from like charge it to the game. So it's a wordplay on that. Charge it to the game is when something doesn't go your way in a game, sports, or it doesn't go your way in life. It doesn't go your way out there. We use it in the street, like charge it to the game. Like I got to move on, charge it to the game. Don't charge it to the person. Don't charge it to myself. Just kind of charge it to the game. And so it's out there in this ambiguous, lofty world in the cloud, if you will, and it doesn't ever have tangible weight where there's skin in the game. But Paul flips it and he says, hey, no, 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 no. I'm going to put my name out there. I'm going to put my reputation out there because I'm sticking up for the one. Because I know what it's like to be on the other side of this Jesus thing. And I want to do everything possible to reconcile, to see everyone come together. We're picking it up. We read some of these verses last week, but we're going to kind of go back to go forward. And we're going to read 14 through 19 today. Philemon 14. Technically, it's not even chapter one. It's just 14 because there's only one chapter, just so you know. And Bible addresses weren't there. That's later added for our convenience and our ability to to remember, to go back, to, to cite and recite for instruction and teaching. Just like it's been very helpful, if you're not good at directions, uh, to have GPS, you know, there's been some streets I've drove on my whole life, and I don't even know the name of. I, 
because I'm on a need-to-know basis. I don't need to know your name. GPS is a game changer until you don't have service and you're driving the Love the City truck for one of the first times it's been driven after an event that we wrapped at at FCA camp in Albion and you're on a dirt road by yourself in the middle of nowhere at midnight and you show up an hour later back to Lansing, that's when GPS doesn't work and you definitely should know your roads or have a map on hand. Philemon 14. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. So what has been established is, is Paul has, at the beginning, talked about his authority and claimed that he's a prisoner of Christ. He's given greetings to the church there, and he's writing specifically to Philemon, who's a business leader who has a runaway slave. In the context there, a working slave in an agreement that has been made, and somehow, some way, this slave ran away and can find help from church leadership, a safe place. And Onesimus, being this runaway slave, has then been converted to Christianity, has become a teammate to Paul, and Paul is trying to go next level to say, hey, I'm sending them back to you, and I'm creating a case so that your heart would be open. And he says last week, we looked at, I could command and demand on my authority in Jesus Christ, but instead I appeal to you out of love that you're going to think higher than the laws of the land or the laws that you have in business. And it's key to remember, Paul's penning this, or a scribe is writing this for him, from jail. So he's not in an ideal setting or a situation. And he says he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So he's there on mission, on assignment, not cool, but yet he's still thinking eternally. And then we pick it up, verse 14. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. It's going to give Philemon an opportunity. So that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but of your own free will. Friend, today, here's a crazy thought. You don't have to act like Jesus. You can be in Jesus. Now, we know if you're in Jesus, you're naturally going to act. Faith without action is dead. Good works for our neighbors, absolutely. But there's a choice if you want to partner up with that or if you just want to resist it. And for so long, we've saw Jesus as I have to instead of I get to. And to fully understand what the gospel has done for us means that our hearts are always going to have to be open to what God wants to do through us. And that is tough because we're going to lean into all emotion. And we're going to lean into more of that today, right here, right now. So that your good deed might not be out of obligation but of your own free will. For perhaps, this is why he was separated from you for a brief time so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me, but how much more to you? 
both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, the word partner means to take part of. We take part of the global church. Shout out to my friends who got me this hoodie because they said it reminded them of what we say here sometimes, which is local is global. You want to make an impact, right? We all do. Well, God sees the work we do that no one else will see. He sees the way we'll love someone and not play the church, but be the church. That behind the scenes is front row to God. So in other words, local is global. But may we not be tuned out, tone deaf, put on mute, those that are across the world, because global is local. Those that are suffering all across the world, those that are enduring. And in the name of Jesus, how much more so for the household of faith. So our brothers and sisters, in the name of Jesus, that can't worship freely, can't turn into, tune into YouTube, that some countries won't even give people the option to even have access to online. So yet we're connected to this whole story. Why? Because God cares about the whole story. And the word partner is to take part of. This is why when we're in a body, we aren't um, just like highlight followers of Jesus, meaning we're not... Um, tabloid Christians. So Christianity Today, give me the highlights, what's going on. And, and you know what's gotten crazy in our day today? We have access to more information and it creates like an overwhelming feel of anxiety that I, it's hopeless. Like, what, what can I do to change the world? Like, how do I make an impact? Think about it. Jesus didn't have a cell phone and he still withdrew often. So, so much of the global news actually might not be for us, but the principle is that we partner in the body we're in and we partner up with how God is thinking and feeling. We take part of, and Paul is saying right here, you consider me a partner, Philemon, partner. Like we're in this together. We're teammates. We are united. All right. Well, you're going to take him back. Welcome him as you would me. (laughs) Don't bring him back. In what he was. Now bring him back higher. And I'm going to put my authority out there. Don't you wish at some point in your life that somebody would have stuck up for you? Put their reputation on the line? Even if you would make a mistake again. No matter how right or wrong that might be on anybody else's side, this is, what, this is the heartbeat of heaven. Paul's got such a glimpse of Jesus because this is exactly how Jesus lives. Jesus, though who could have demanded worship, though could have literally brought the wrath of God, could have came in and demanded and commanded, appealed to us from love on the cross, and he said this on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. This is scripture teaching us of the heartbeat of heaven. And Paul then goes on in verse 18, and if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I'll pay to play, charge it to my name. This is why restoration means that you and me, we're gonna have to get in the seat and get close. This is why if anybody calls me and is like, hey, can you pray for this? 
yeah, but wouldn't it be cooler? Will you go with me? Put your authority out there, and I'm going to put my authority out. We're going to try to make the situation better. That'd be, I think there's some stuff that we can just do. Now, of course, we're going to meet dead ends and resistance, and it has to be equal parties, but the heartbeat of heaven is to always restore and reconcile. And that can already feel overwhelming to many of us in the room. Why? Because we've been hurt. We haven't seen it done well. People have let us down. So we want, don't want to unite. We want to isolate. But Proverbs 18.1 teaches us whoever isolates goes against all sound judgment. He seeks his own desire, like all against all counsel. Anytime we're alone in our own thoughts, in our own vacuum, in our own echo chamber, and we're not letting somebody else in, and what is so crazy is the older we get, the easier this is to do. Because I, I don't have to go choose to, to, to let you in. You know, and to let pastors in and coaches in and say, hey, will you give me an extra set of eyes on this and be vulnerable now because I'm opening myself up to how they think or feel and, and, and I might not be cleaned up in a situation. And, you know, I'm on the operating table. This stuff's scary, right? But we have a high, high example and a high, high Lord that can handle this stuff. He can really handle it. Verse 19, I, Paul, write this with my own hand and I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your very self. This is crazy. This is getting rich. This is kind of like the parable story where the person gets forgiven of the debt and then goes out there and says, you owe me money to all kinds of people because they forget they've been forgiven. So he's reminding them, hey, when Onesimus comes back, though you have rights, as an owner, we don't own people in the gospel. We're trying to then have family. And I want to remind you, hey, by the way, you might think he owes you something, but actually you owe me because I'm a spiritual leader, Paul's saying. He has authority. You owe me, and I'm willing to put my reputation, I'm willing to put even my funds, everything I have on the line for restoration, for reconciliation, to see a brother be taken in. This is why there's no employee there's no, like, rank in the gospel. We're equal in worth. We're different in authority. This gets challenging. Why? Because some thoughts start to happen. It's where it's like, well, it doesn't seem that we're all equal. It doesn't seem if it's fair. Why is Paul saying, he's like, he says Onesimus is like a son. Why is he using family language? Because in the gospel, it is family but why do we resist from that thought? Because some of us have never seen family done well. Can I lean in? Family isn't done well because you're there and I'm there. We're sinners, broken people. So we need a higher authority. So how do we do it well? Well, there will always be a level of uh, just drama or issues in a fallen world. But we're called, as we've sung, bring, let heaven come. We're called to try to create the new way and the new day. I remember when I first started following Jesus, my great-grandpa, shout out to him. He spent an eternity, I pray with the Lord, 
And, um, you know, here I am, 22 years old. And I'm going to come to the family Christmas. And I was like, noticed we never talked about Jesus on Christmas. And then I started to realize, even though it's not the exact date of his birthday, or the, you know, we can get into a bunch of off-ramps. It's about Jesus Christ. It's Christmas. Let's make much of Jesus. Well, most of my life, it was like, what can I get? We're going there. We're going to do, you know, let's hand out the gifts and the presents. And I'm riding to great grandpa's house. And um, he's this awesome man that would always, he'd always be the first to support you. Even if he didn't believe in what you're doing, you know, like, hey, I heard you're doing the church thing. Good job. (laughs) You know? I'm like, well, it's really not a church thing. It's really about an eternal thing. Either this message is true or of all people, we're, you sh- we, we're fools. If we believe this message and it's not true, everyone should look at us with like, oh, like, you, you believe that? Look at one of, look, they're Christians, right? Of all people, we should be the most pity. But if this is true, It may look foolish to the world, but this has the power to save mankind. So we have to be willing sometimes to look like an idiot and a fool to share the message. So my heart's beating through my chest because I'm like, for 22 years, we never just even gave Jesus maybe an iota. And here I am, a newbie. I don't know what's going on. And I I don't know where I'm at with the zealousness of today. But in that moment, for whatever reason, I was like, I know family's been done this way, but, but Christmas is about Jesus for the whole family. I said, can we pray? And it was like, it'd be as if I learned another language. And they looked over at me. And it was so cool because they were all like, yeah, do it. And we held hands and we prayed because I started to get a glimpse of there's a family, a kingdom family, and maybe we could start to let that light shine in and let heaven come into whatever setting we're in. Does that undo generational issues? No. (laughs) In fact, sometimes it's easier to just high five, you know, let's, hey, yeah, love you. Get in the car and be like, whoa, that was heavy. Because we're trying to do family differently. The whole story of heaven is a father and a son coming to partner to buy us back. So naturally then we get to be people that reconcile, that restore, that show what this is look like. Show what this looks like. But it doesn't seem equal because Philemon, he has rights that Onesimus doesn't. That doesn't seem right. Well, it's not right. That's why Paul's appealing to him in love. So does God care about justice? Well, let's, let's look at it. Remember when uh, God's people were oppressed under the Egyptian rule and they were slaves. And the famous from Moses was, uh, what my people go? What was it? Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. That's why the kingdom of heaven never partners up with people being property. 
We have to stand in the gap and say, hey, let that person go. But I get it, I get it, I get it. And, and if that hasn't ever been your story, if you've never felt that way, then you don't want to say, let them go. Start to hold on to rights that we think we have, but we might not have. This week, I thought was a very uh, good example of a movie we watched of the compound effect in our particular context being in America. So there's like institutional sin and then there's individual sin. Now, I'm not here to say that institutionally we can begin to change every single thing, but I think individually we can stand up for the right thing um, if someone's not seen, heard, or if there's injustice that happens. And King Richard, was he, he, he's, he is the father of Venus and Serena Williams, and this won't spoil the movie. I would encourage you to watch it. Now, I don't think he's a type for what it looks like to be a godly family. There's a lot of... Uh, there's just a lot of other family situations and drama, but the principle is we can always learn from any setting or situation. And the way he leans into pain and the way he wants to see reconciliation and the way he, he, he goes into a setting that is not set up for him and the way he gives his daughters an opportunity to change the narrative, which needs to be true because of so much of what's happened here. Let's go there. He shares a story that growing up, he couldn't touch a white man. And he literally hands a piece of paper to him who was somebody that his dad or whatever, there was some type of thing that he owed to the, a white man. And they, they, they handed him something, but he accidentally touched him. And all these white people beat him up while his dad saw this, but he ran. And he said, he thought about that moment. And he said he would never run on his kids, even though the irony is sometimes that happened because of sin nature. But the principle was he was going to stand in the gap for Venus and Serena and to think that that's just laws, not even one generation, 100 years, if you will, old, that blacks couldn't touch whites? In Jesus Christ, we're going to go the next level to make sure that is Never true. But of course, there's going to be compound trauma and injustices that are built up. And the point is, maybe you don't have a story like that in your family. But now let's go to another example. I'm sure you have that one in your life. Why? If you're a woman, you know what it's like to be objectified and marginalized and not seen or heard and not make the same pay as everyone else. Or, or, hey, maybe you, you, you don't have as much money as everybody else. You know what it's looked, to be, looked at as your class? See, where we're going with this is God says, let my people go. That's a heartbeat of heaven. But God's people are still weaponized even in prison. Why? Paul's penning this from prison. So it's both and. We stand in the gap for when somebody's been wronged. So we should care if there's racial biases. We should care if people aren't um, equally tried. We should care if people don't have the same opportunity as somebody else. And in the kingdom, there's father and son and there's family. But there's also power and even when we are forgotten or separated, God uses our moments. Paul gets us because he's in jail, 
changing the course of our life in 2021. Thank you for using what it's like to be forgotten. And then he has that moment when he's in jail. You know what he's doing? He's worshiping. Paul and Silas, they worship. And the jailer gets saved. This is why some of the greatest witnesses that this planet's ever seen we'll never know about because it was behind the scenes. It's going on right now when people are Christians and they're getting persecuted for something they didn't even do. There's no way, I'm not even going to try to act like there's some bow at the end of service. There's no bow at the end of service. Keep reading your Bible. Like, this stuff's awesome. Why? This is nothing like anything I ever hear. What? This is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. We get to be reconciliation agents. We get to be people of justice. We get to be people of restoration. We get to partner. And we get to be people that don't just look at the bottom line. When Paul says, perhaps Onesimus has been separated from you. Not that so you could get a business deal back. Not so that you could just have the bottom line. But you could remember that there's a higher purpose. That we're sons and daughters. We have the same dad. That we're all royal priesthoods. That the temple is no longer uh, there where we meet the middleman and the high priest, that you are priests. The veil's been torn, that Jesus lives in you. But this is appealed to us in our settings in every sphere we're in. This is why if you see somebody, because how can you begin to deal with all of the issues? Well, think of this. Are you seeing issues this week that you could stick up for? Hey, that's not right. That's not right. I remember there was a moment I was playing basketball. And, uh, you know, hoops, everything's built on winning. And being short, I already have that kind of, you know, I'm not saying it's a Napoleon complex or anything. But everybody already thinks you suck. You know, mouse in the house. And let's be honest. The whole, you know, white man can't jump. So people already be like, dude, who's the cracker? You know what I mean? Especially in hoops, right? You just, it's, who, you already come in with a chip on your shoulder. You're like, what? Let's go. So I have this, but I'm in Christ now, so who cares? But yet I still have this uh, uh, desire to be seen. And the good squad comes up to me, all the semi-pro players, and they're going to go play in the other gym. And I'm in the middle of hooping with the misfits with the dudes who can't ball. And I'm just getting a run in, five on five. And they need an extra guy in the back. And they come over and they're like, hey, yo, what's your name again? It's a drone. They go, hey, we need, we need one more. And you know what's crazy? Is that first, I went to stop the game and go with them. I was like, oh, I'd rather play with the good dudes. And I thought, that's not Christ. Christ doesn't, one, Honor your commitment. Play with these dudes. Two, you ain't even that sweet. <laughs> Three, they probably just chose you because they needed somebody. And you were the, you know, kind of the, still the B team to them. The point is, these, this, this, these hoopers here, they're the ones forgotten about. So you stay. So at first I was like, oh, I was really excited. I was like, oh, we're going to go run for real. And, um, and then I stopped and I was like, I ain't trying to go to the pros anymore. I'm trying to love people. 
And what kind of witness is that to leave them and stop that their game that they can't play anymore because all the better basketball players in the back? It's a silly example to say whatever you see day in and day out, your heart and your sin might be prone to do something that is wicked, but may the love of Christ compel us to stay with those that are forgotten. You know, for, for, for real. And I think why at some level I get this, because, dude, I know what it's like to come from the struggle. I know what it's like to feel forgotten. I know what it's like to be called white trash because you had the trailer park story. Maybe you don't know that, but in Christ, you were dead in sin. So you should know what it's like to not be able to earn anything. And that's what Paul's doing here. You know what he says? Hey, Philemon, for every reason, <laughs> I'm still going to give you a choice. But by the way, I think not so gently, but gently, he's saying, you better take him back as a brother. And even if you don't want to, charge it to my name. You imagine if the, the kings of this world started to love the one I think it's why God built it this way. Worship team, will you guys come up and we're going to sing, get ready to close. But I think God built it this way, that he would use people that are unlikely to be salt and yeast in any setting they're in. Because he uses things that are marginalized to do the most magnificent impact. Because it's unlikely. It's just, it's just, it's so foreign. It's so forgotten. And we can all relate with this. Even, even now, some of us are feeling tested with you know, is it uh, being forced to do things that, that we don't want to do? Uh, we see this all the time in our household. The kids are just, and we love, do my, our kids are the best, and thank God they let us use them as examples, but I think it's a good thing for us. It's a family, you know, and you guys are amazing. Giselle, are you going to do the outro today? I'll get you a mic. You say you're going to do it. She's got the outro memorized. You'll do it? Okay, we'll do it. Um, but the kids will say this all the time. Dad... That's not, what word? Fair. That's not fair. Okay. If you want to be kicked in the face quicker, just keep saying that. I don't always exhibit the love of God. But I've never kicked a kid in the face, okay? I don't know where your sense of humor is. You might not. I don't know when he's being serious and when he's not. And um, I love dry sense of humor or sarcasm. Which elf you know, the best movie ever, right? It's, got, it's out, it's Christmas season. Uh, rewrite the narrative. It's about Jesus and it's about Elf. Um, something beautiful about that prophetic. We, didn't, we do need more represent, representation in the, in the movie industry though, specifically even that one. But uh, with this, Dad, that's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. But what peace can you own? Paul, even in jail, singing, worshiping, jailer gets saved. Even in jail, writing letters back. Challenging, hey, Philemon, no, no, no. You're, this is brotherhood. This isn't about what, what your rights are. This is about the kingdom, the kingdom coming through, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom to unite. That you and I together at the cross, we eat, y'all. We have authority. We're different in authority. And maybe you've started to love people. Let's get someone in our mind right now. Don't say who. 
but someone in your mind who has been really hard to love. And when you get close to them, the reason you don't even want to like charge it to your name anymore is because they bite. They bite because they're hurt. And I think Paul was understanding like Jesus. He was like, fine, you bite me. Father, help me. Here, take the other arm. Bite again. Well, this is very easy to understand. Think of a dog. If you get a dog, you rescue a dog from the animal shelter. And if the dog, if you knew it had a history of uh, being a fighting dog and being abused. So here you are trying to retrain that dog with love. But this dog happens to bite. And if you've ever noticed this, when someone's animal makes a mistake, people always make an excuse for their animal. The the dog or the cat could pee everywhere, could bite all the clothes, and they'd be like, yeah, but this is why they're like that, you know? I'm like, why do we always justify for an animal? Yeah, but you don't understand. The dog was abused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have so much patience with animals sometimes because we understand that they need to be nurtured And we need to love them and we need to care for them. Friend, some of the people in our life, the reason they bite, it's because we got to look past that and there's real hurt there. There's real hurt there. So in this moment, there's, there's real hurt in this room. There's real hurt at home. There's real hurt of injustices. There's real hurt of family trauma. There's real hurt from being manipulated and forgotten and being objectified and there's real hurt. The father cares. He cares so much. When Stephen was being stoned, Jesus is standing. That moment doesn't stop that situation, but, but, for, but for perhaps, perhaps Onesimus was separated from you so that God's work could go forward. That over Stephen stoning was Paul. Paul saw that. Paul commissioned that. Paul killed Christians. That God was using something higher, even in the midst of our pain. That's a perspective to say, oh, let heaven come. Let heaven come. So here's the antidote, I believe. Here's the antidote to the pain. Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy of the Lord, for the cross, or uh, paraphrasing, I don't have it memorized, but basically Jesus saw the cross. It was his joy to endure it for me and you. So what we see is this, together we eat at the cross. How? Because there's a joy when we understand there's an eternal mission and that the good news brings restoration that we're willing to push through. Happiness is based on what's happening. But joy always has the gospel in our heart and then mission on our head and our hands to go forward. So the antidote to every situation, I genuinely believe this, is a gospel perspective and a mission to live it out. And you might be here today and be like, you know what? I'm done. Maybe you hear the voice of heaven saying, re-up like Jesus. Re-up. Maybe be the friend you always wish you had. Be the family member that you always wish you could have had. 
That trust that even generations from now, that maybe some way the jailer will get saved. That God can still use it. Use it. And if there's somebody that you see that doesn't have a voice, stick up for them. Charge it to your name. Put your reputation out there. Maybe we don't go faster. Maybe we go slower. Maybe it's not more people. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's not about width. Maybe it's about health. This is what happens when we start to pray. Ah, oh, I think the Holy Spirit's just doing something in each one of us. So let's sing. Let heaven come. And that's our exclamation point for the day. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.